0: hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. You remember the story in the Bible? I'm going to go to, I promise I'm going to do this today. I'm going to go to Genesis in just a moment though, Genesis chapter 40, but let me tell you this first. You remember when um, Isaac had, was getting up in age, and he had two sons, he had J- Jacob and Esau. He had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Isaac the, the, the generational blessing was supposed to go to the oldest son. So God, uh, Isaac was up, up in his age, well up in his age, and it was time for him to pass on the blessing. Well, Isaac's wife loved uh, Jacob and wanted Jacob to get the blessing. So she calls Jacob into the house. Jacob was somebody that worked around the farm, worked around the house, uh, uh, was, was, a, was, a, was a man that um, was loved by his mother, but his brother Esau was a man that went out in the woods and was a hunter, a gamer, and, and hairy. He had, the Bible says he was hairy. Jacob didn't have all that. So well, here's what happened. So his wife, his mother, Jacob's mother, Isaac's wife, calls Jacob to himself and says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to go and I want you to trick your father. I want you to go and trick. So they killed an animal. They put the fur on Jacob's body, right? Jacob goes to, to his father, Isaac. His father was, his eyes were dim, so he couldn't see. He was blinding in his old age. So Isaac, or Jacob goes to him and says, Father, I'm here to, the bless, to get the blessing. And, J- and Isaac looked at him and said, let me feel you. So he feels his body, touches him. And he says, Well, your skin feels like Esau, but your voice sounds like Jacob. Jacob came to the Father with his own voice, but the skin and the flesh of his brother Esau. The lesson for us is when you go to the Father, it's your voice you're giving it, but you're going in the skin of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Isaac blessed him, gave him the blessing. Walked away. Blessing was forever settled. Esau comes back into town, says, hey, I'm ready to get my blessing. Isaac says, I've already given it to your brother. And he got it. And it was poured out upon him. You know what I'm not telling you? When you go to the Father, in the name of Jesus, in the body of Christ, in the flesh of Jesus, him being your sacrifice, him being your lamb, but it's your voice, he might hear your voice, but it's coming through Jesus. And God is bound to his word, just like Isaac was bound to his word. Isaac, once he gave the blessing, he couldn't pull it away. So he told Esau, he said, I've already given the blessing to your brother. That's powerful. Because if I go in my own skin, I've got, I got, I got to start evaluating my own flesh. But I'm not going in my own flesh, I'm going in Jesus' flesh. He's the, the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So when I go to the Father, I go to him and remind him of my covenant that I have with him. Through Christ. And listen, God is bound by his word to look over his word to perform it. It's not up to you to look over his word to perform it. It's up to him to look over his word to perform it. It's his word. We appropriate it by believing it. Even when it doesn't look like it's going to line up, we still believe it. Even when it turns out different than we thought it was going to turn out, we believe it because we know that can't be the end, even though it looks like the end. Right? The story's not over until you do come out on top, even though you might suffer some things along the way, even though you might hurt it along the way, maybe some pain along the way, but you still got to come to the realization that this thing has to work for my good somehow. So when I go to the Father and you go to the Father, we go in the name of Jesus, the Christ, and, and, and we say, and, and we, I say it, it's, it's my, my upbringing, I think, too, and my religious background, is when I go to him I, in the name of Jesus, I say. But when, when Peter and James, or Peter and John, were going into the gate called Beautiful, in Acts, first chapter, second chapter of Acts, when they were going into the, 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 the temple to pray, there was a man begging for alms, Right? When he went begging for alms, he looks down, and he's wanting money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You remember that? He grabs him by the hands. His ankles get strong as he gets up. They weren't strong while he was on the ground. They were strong as he was getting up. And then the man was healed. Now, we, as our modern church today goes in our last probably 100 years, what we have done is we've taken that, what is said there, and then we've made it a tag. And we'll say, in the name of Jesus, like when we say in the name of Jesus, it gave it some sort of magic p- portion that causes that thing to raise up and to change. That's not what had happened. He looked at the man on the gate called Beautiful that was lame, and he said, I don't have any money on me. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the authority of Jesus Christ, the one of Nazareth. He was giving him a frame of reference because the man had lived through this. And he was saying, I'm coming to heal you. I'm going to give you this healing because of the authority that was given to me of the guy from Nazareth. You know the guy, Jesus Christ. And the man had a frame of reference, went, ah, that's what gives them the authority to do that. Who does? That man. It wasn't in the name of Jesus. If you're, it wasn't a voice inflection or volume. It wasn't the fact that they just said it a certain way. It wasn't even if they wanted him to know how they had the authority to do that. They weren't speaking to God to get God to release something simply because they said it in the name of Jesus. They, didn't, they weren't telling in the name of Jesus to God. They were saying in the name of Jesus to the man. So the man would have a frame of reference of what they were doing. So the experience became revelational, not just the output of the the effect. Making sense? Pam doesn't go to the bank because they know her, or Steph, or Ronnie, whoever goes to the bank and makes deposits from the bathroom. They don't go to the teller and say, look, I'm here on behalf, in the name of uh, Expression Church. Right? Now, if it's somebody that don't know her and know us, they may have to reveal themselves. right? Am I right? So if you're in Christ, you're carrying the authority. You're carrying the name. You don't need a badge? You don't need a business card? You don't. Those are all for supplemental things to help people, you know, figure out the logistics of things. But as far as the authority from heaven, spiritually speaking, when you walk up on the scene, you're, you're, you're him. You are in him and you're carrying him. So wherever you go, you're carrying the presence of God. Even when you say something you shouldn't be saying, you're still carrying the presence of God. He don't disconnect himself and say, oh, I'm not with them because they just said something they shouldn't have said. They're in the flesh right now. No, he didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do this, right? When you spout off at home and things are like, oh, it's, a, it's like a flesh attack, when things are just going out of control and you're trying to get her to see her way and he's trying to get your, him to see your, his way and things are just going like this, you know, he didn't, Jesus did not go, guys, I'm over here, over here, kumbaya. No, that's not the way it works. He's right in the middle of that fleshly attack. Working it through, right? Nudging on you every time you know you shouldn't be saying that. He's going, "Mm, I shouldn't be saying that. But if you're going to say it, I'm still going to be here. We'll just deal with the outcome afterwards, right? That's how this thing works. So when you walk up on the situation, see, if we really knew the people, the the body of Christ would really know the authority that we have and the power that we carry and who we are in him, this would be a whole different ballgame. It would be a whole different ballgame. We'd walk up into situations knowing that you have the power of the presence of God to change the circumstance. If he is the prince of peace, right, and the prince of peace lives inside of you, if you walk up into a situation, should you not be the bearer of peace? Right? Not confusion, but peace. Life. If, if you're carrying the life of God, you walk up and go into these situations. And there you are. Now, here's, here's the challenge that we run into because many of us, most of us, we want that power so bad and we want that activation so bad and we want to be able to do those things so bad, but what hinders us is we're afraid of what making ourselves look kind of bad or if it wouldn't, what if it doesn't work? You do, it's not your reputation on the line when you're speaking and doing something on behalf of the Lord. It's his reputation on the line. Right? You ever had people dealing in, in, in business or something like that in the church world and they'll say, you know what, you know why? I, I'd like the church if it wasn't for Christians. I had a lady tell me that one time. I'd love the church if it wasn't for Christians. Well, guess what, they kind of, kind of come together. Right? And then another lady told me, she said, I'd love Christians if I didn't have to go to church and see them all because they have interactions, you have relationships, You have people will let you down, but he will never let you down. He's faithful. Your, like I said last week, putting your confidence in an unfaithful man is like an aching tooth or a foot out of joint. You don't put your confidence in people. Your confidence is in him. Now watch what happens here. I told you a little bit about Josh, uh, Joseph last week, and we kind of went through the story, but I want to pull out a section of this story and let you know and tell you it's Genesis chapter 40. And I want to talk a little bit about a situation that Joseph had faced on his processing and his journey. Now remember last week, I told you he was 17 years old, when he had his dreams. And uh, then right after he had his dreams, he tells his dreams, he's excited about his future and things are gonna be wonderful and great. And next thing you know, he finds himself in a cistern, in a well and sold to the Ishmaelites, transported all the way back down to Egypt and sold into slavery. His brothers had covered up the, the, the sin, their lie. Um, and, and here now, Joseph was on this journey that was unbeknownst to them. They were on one path, he was on another. His path, he thought, was going to be better than what it was. But in his journey into his dream being fulfilled, Joseph had several bumps in the road. He had a lot of bumps in the road. And I want to talk to you today, just briefly, about how it is to expect and overcome disappointments or setbacks or adjustments and being flexible in your process, in your journey, When things haven't come to fruition like you thought they would, right? Let's talk about Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they, cont- and they continued a season in the ward. And they dreamed a dream. Here we are again, dreamed a dream. Both of them, each man in his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound inside that prison. Watch this. This is so good. Joseph came in unto them in the morning. Actually, they both had their dream. He looked upon them, and behold, they were both sad. And he asked the Pharaoh's officers that were with them in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? What's wrong with you guys? And they said unto him, We have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of the dream. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations all belong to to God? Tell them to me, and I'll pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was th- though it budded, it was that though it had budded, and her and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and I pressed them in Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto them, Here's the interpretation of this dream. The branches, these three branches, are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift you up, lift up his head and restore you into your former place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand in the former manner when thou wast his butler. He's gonna restore everything that you've lost in three days. Now that's encouraging, isn't it? But think on me when it shall be with, well, he said, think on me when it shall be well with thee." In other words, look, I'm telling you the interpretation of your dream. You're gonna get restored back to your original state and your, your authority. But whatever you do when you get there, remember, I'm still in the prison. Remember old Joe, right? Don't forget me when you're gone, all right? And here is Joseph. Now, see, here's to Joseph. You would think Joseph was just this godly man that we've preached to him all these years, that he would just go, hey, more power to you. I'm here. I'll suffer from, you know, I, I'll just suffer. I've never done anything wrong. I'll just suffer for, for God here. And you go and be restored back to your, your original place. And I, I know it's all going to work out for you, but I'll be right here. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'll be Okay. Don't worry, don't worry about me here. No. Don't worry. No. no. Joseph was a, a man like you or me. Joseph says, listen, I'm interpreting this dream for you, so don't forget me when you're gone. I don't want to be here. Right? See, humility is knowing your proper assessment of where you are. Joseph wasn't trying to manipulate him. Joseph was saying, listen, don't forget me. I don't like where I am, and if you don't mind... Pull me out of here when you get your store back to yourself. Just remember me, right? He didn't say, throw me $50, put money in my commissary account. Come on, I just, just send me a few books. No, get me up out of here, right? And it's okay to be aggressive. Church people, we, if God doesn't do it, I don't want it to happen. Well, sit there in your prison. No, if it, it has to be the Lord or I don't want anything to do with it. Well, how do you know that's not the Lord? No, your passivity is not humility. It's about time to get a little bulldog aggressive. Get me up out of here. And I mean it, Butler. The Lord giveth, the Lord could take it away. That, that, that book of Job was already written right? I'm just telling you, it's time to, you have not because you ask not. You're afraid of things in your own life. It's time to get aggressive. The church is way too passive. I just hope it all works. I just hope it all works. It's not going to work out while you're sitting back waiting on your heels. I just need the Lord to, to do something. Well, while you're locked away in your YouTube moment, worshiping the Lord, the world's time is passing by. You're missing time. You're missing life. I've done it. I've sit. I sit in my office one day, feeling sorry for myself, and it was just me and Jesus. We were just having had our own thing going. You know how the song goes. Me and Jesus had our own thing going. Well, about four or five hours later, I realized I came up out there and I felt so good and charged, and I checked everything that was there before I left. We went away, raptured away from my little moment, and I got in and I come away and I went. Dear God, nothing changed. I had to come back to reality. It was a good moment and I enjoyed it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in this world. But just don't think your problems are gonna be escaped away because you get away somewhere in a corner for six days. You still gotta get up and feed the kids. You still gotta up and clean the house. You gotta get up and go to work. You still gotta go do the things you have to do. The things you don't like to do, you still have to do because it's a part of life. It's not gonna go away you still got to go to the meeting that you don't like. you still got to make the phone call to the person that you don't care to call. The one that makes you gripped on the inside, you're going, oh, God, I hate this phone call, but i got to make it every single week, and I want to make that phone call. And you grip and you grind, and you go, oh, God, how am I going to do this? And then you hope you get their voicemail. And you've already got to fleece out before you make the phone call going, God, I hope this goes to voicemail. I can leave a detailed message. Because why? Because the voicemail don't talk back. And you know what happens every time you do that? It does for me. Before I even get the message done, there's a beep coming back to me. And I'm going, do I go ahead and leave the rest of this message or I just take the call? It's from the, to the, it's from the person I'm calling. And you go, oh, I was just leaving you a message. That doesn't happen to you all? Yeah. Some of us family members is taking that phone. You know what I'm talking about. All right. But what I'm saying is, you, it, it's not going to go away. You've got to get up and go through. You've got to move through. You've got to press through. Now, Joseph reached out to the butler in an evangelic, evangelical kind of way and said, remember me when you're out in your place. Now, watch what happens next. Think on me. He so said, pray thee unto and make mention of me and to Pharaoh. Put a good word into the guy that you're going to go. Put, Come on. Put a good bug in his ear and bring me, <laughs> and bring me up, out, up out of this house. Dear God. Now, Joseph didn't say this. Listen, he didn't say, I'm innocent. I didn't do what Potiphar's wife said I did. I deserved to be out. He wasn't trying to justify himself. He just said, whether I'm here for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, I don't want to be here. I want out. So get me up out of here. What's the next verse. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. Here he goes. And here also I have done nothing that should put me into this dungeon. Watch. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. This is so good. And in the uppermost basket there was all the manner of baked meat for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, I have the interpretation of this one. The three baskets are also three days. Yet within three days, shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Well, he had the gift of encouragement. <laughs> the spirit of encouragement. Think about that. Well, I don't know how to tell you this, But you got three days. You're going to get killed, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. I like how Joseph didn't say this, but remember me. (laughs) He didn't say, remember me. He didn't say, remember me. He had already got his point. He already had his Rahab getting ready to get out. Now, that's a confidence that he had, that he knew that something was going to change. Next verse. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among the servants. Now watch this. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, just like Joseph predicted. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yet, look, did not the chief butler Remember Joseph, but forgot him. What do you do when you get forgotten? What do you do? Joseph, now let's just put it in reality. Joseph's in prison for something he didn't do. And he's stuck in the middle of this place. God moves on him and gives him this incredible interpretation of two dreams, one that's going to happen the good and one that's going to happen bad. God use him, give him the spirit of the interpretation of those dreams. Now, if I'm Joseph and I'm in prison and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, man, God's using me. This is powerful. So Joseph says, I want out of here, so Butler, you gotta get me out of here. The other guy, you're done. It's over, you're finished. It's over, you can't help me, I can't help you, it's over. When those things come to pass, don't you think for one minute Joseph went to the other people that are inmates inside that jail and that prison and said, hey, God uses me. Look what happened. He used me. That was Have you ever been in a position like that when God answers your prayer or he uses you and nobody knows it but you go on this crusade to make sure you kind of let it be known? Pray for somebody that they get their healing. and you, God heals them and touches them. And then you find out later and you're going, I went and visited him at the hospital. Why? Because it made you feel good. Let me ask you this, can you operate and function in Christ's name and get zero credit for it? What if nobody knows? What if you get forgotten? What if you get passed over for the promotion? And and, and that person that could give you the promotion would even be in their position if you hadn't have done what you did for them. You wouldn't even be where you are if it wasn't for me. Now you know that's going through your mind, but you don't have the courage to say it even though you're thinking it, right? Can you be happy for somebody else that's being promoted out of their situation even though yours don't change? I sat down with somebody one time, and they, they had a real complicated financial mess, and I sat down, and we went over about 15, 20 minutes, I said, oh, I've got a, I think the Lord just gave me an idea for you. I gave him the idea. They went out, and they did it, and I've been, I was praying to be debt-free for me, my family. We were praying for debt-free, and a guy comes in, and for 15 minutes, I gave him this solution, and then in about two or three weeks, he comes back, and he goes, it worked. God moved on that situation, and I'm completely debt-free, and I go back to the prayer closet, and I said, God, nothing changed in mine, but everything changed in His. And the answer back from the Lord was a profounding. Well, well, I was looking for that strategy. I was like, I, I, Lord, I was doing that for I, I was doing that for Him, but really, I was doing it for me. Can you bless somebody? Can you invest yourself in somebody? Can you deny yourself for somebody where they get all the return and you get zero credit? Just saying. Can you be trusted? in the middle of your process and your journey for your dream to come to pass? Can you be trusted when you get disappointment after disappointment? You get forgotten, you get left behind, you get talked about, you, you call it exactly the way it is, you're doing everything you know for God, you're, you're, it's, it's unjust, it's unfair, but here you are. Can you do right and stay right even when everything that you're doing to stay right isn't producing what you thought it would produce? Can you labor in love and still have a deferred return? Are you instant gratification, have to see it right now, have to see it right this moment, have to, can you invest? Because I got news for you. This thing we're in, in this kingdom, God is long suffering and that sometimes is a long time. It takes a while for things to develop and to, to, to happen. And my nature, my tendency is I'm, I'm, I'm impatient. Because I can see things so far in advance, and I already see how it's going to end. So I try to figure out, Lord, what you're not seeing, I want to help you see. You know what I'm talking about? God, you you must be misinformed about a few things. But here's a few of the the details you're missing, Lord, that I can throw on the table here. Let's just put all the chips on the table, God. Let's pull up a chair, Lord. Well, here's just some things. let Let me explain to you how I think this should go. And every time I say that, guess what? He pulls up more pieces And most of the time, he takes pieces away. And he says, look, are you in this journey? Are you in this journey for the long haul? Or is this about instant gratification? And are you going to be okay when you do right for somebody else, but you get nothing in return? Joseph, next verse. And it came to pass at the end of the two full year, two, more years in prison. Having to hear stories of the butler. Think about it. The butler was in a cell with him, in, in the dungeon with him. The guy has a dream. Joseph says, You're gonna be all right in three days, man. It's gonna be good. And he gets up and he does a wow, this is wonderful. Three days later, it comes to pass. Joseph was hoping he'd forget. Can you imagine for three years or two years, Joseph going, can you not remember, I'd be sending the guy letters, notes. Maybe you all wouldn't. Maybe you all would sit there and just read the Bible, <laughs> turn on TBN, right? Have Bible studies, and everybody be happy-go-lucky, and everybody be, Nah, not me. I'm walking through the cell swinging at the shadow. Anybody tell me what I'm talking about? You all aren't that holy. I don't care who. I know you all. Some of you I know more than the others. Some of you would have already been trying to break out of the place to go get the guy. What I'm telling you is sometimes when it's not like we think it should be and we're getting disappointed, I want to know what do you do in the two years? What do you do? Do you just let the time go by or get up off of yourself? Do you do the time or let the time Do you? Two years are gonna come and go. Listen to me, five months and six months from now, there will be a March of 2019 whether you like it or not. And I pray and I believe that everybody in this and understanding my voice is gonna be alive in March of 2019. My question to you is what would March 2019 look like for you or are we sitting around waiting for something to happen, right? Chalking up all the disappointments because somebody didn't do something for you that they could have done for you. Somebody didn't lift your lid like they should have lifted your lid. Get up off of yourself and go. This is what it's time to do. It is a moment of time of acceleration like we've never seen before. We are in a moment where Jesus was just like Joseph. Jesus was in a place. Do you know his cross was so heavy he couldn't carry it himself? But he still went to the cross. Simon of Cyrene carried the cross all the way to the Calvary for Jesus. It got so heavy he couldn't carry it. Whose cross are you carrying and who's carrying your cross? Or are we trying not to go to the cross? Joseph said, two years, I'm going to stay right here and do everything I know to do. I'm going to give it all I've got. And he already told him, don't forget about it. I promise you, Joseph was in the midst of that that pause, that that time where you couldn't speed up time any faster. But that didn't make his mind race, his heart race. I promise you, he was ready to move forward. Joseph was already planning and plotting what he was going to do when he got out of there. I want to know about you. I want to know what are you plotting and planning for when you get the freedom and the cut to be able to go forward. When the chains and the cords are cut and broken, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when there's no ceiling over your head? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when the debt's not holding you back? What are you going to do when the body now starts cooperating? What are you going to do when he's been 15 years mean and now all of a sudden he turned nice because he got saved? What are you going to do? Don't let imaginations and imaginary lines that you put around yourself hold you back in fear and worry and concern. It's time to go hard and hard and fast. Even two years in a prison because those two, go back to the verse before this. Watch this. This is, this is. Yet this is in verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forget him. Next verse. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two full years in Joseph's day was one verse. There was nothing written between 40:23, chapter 20 or 40 verse 23 and 41:1. There's nothing recorded. But don't you think Joseph had to live those 2 years? What are you gonna do? How are you living your life right now? When you haven't had any recording from the last time things were not good to the breakthrough that you're expecting? There's nothing written, nothing happening. It feels like it's idle. It's nothing, nothing, no, no, nothing surprising, nothing extraordinary, nothing. What are you doing? I tell you what you're doing. You're preparing yourself for when those two years are up. Boom! Acceleration takes place. Don't let downtime be downtime. Don't let a pause be a stop. Let it be a time of sharpening and quickening and ready to go when you are released to go forward, to go forward. Because life is nothing but ebbs and flows. It's like the ocean. It goes in and it comes back. It goes out and it comes back. It goes out and it comes back. And you have to know when your moments and seasons of your life are going out and when they're coming back. When they're going out and when they're coming back. You have to know, the Holy Spirit, it's like in worship, in life, in moments and encounters and times of service, the Spirit of God moves like waves in an ocean, and he moves like that in your life. And what you have to be able to do in your life is to recognize, is it out or is it in? Right? When it's going out, you don't have to fight it. You ride it. When it's coming in, you brace for it so it doesn't knock you down. Take your job, your career. Take your education. Take your family. Take your health. Take all aspects of life. Sometimes it's going out in health but coming in in your finances and family. But you have to discern where and how. Two years went by. Two years. And I can only imagine what two years would be like knowing the butler had walked away from him. The baker was dead. And I figure if I'm Joseph, I'd like to get my hands on the butler. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. But knowing he couldn't change anything. Knowing nothing was going to change unless God released him. You'll see over the next two chapters what happens, and I'm not going to read them today, but over the next two chapters, you're going to see what happens. Pharaoh now has a dream. The same gift that Joseph used two years earlier was overlooked by the butler, but God brought it back around again. Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret the dream. God calls him in front. Joseph interprets the dream for Pharaoh. and When he did, Pharaoh he bared witness with Pharaoh's heart and spirit. Pharaoh brought him up out of the jail, promoted him. Joseph ended up being over the butler because God put him in a position. Now I want you to think about this. 17 years old, God gives him a dream and gives him favor. Nearly 20 years later, after going to prison twice, in the dungeon for something he didn't even do, getting promoted on one hand and demoted on the other, getting kicked one way and kicked another, getting left behind and forgotten about, here he is. And finally, that whole journey was to put him in a position to see an entire generation changed. I want to encourage you. When you get in a situation where things aren't like looking like they're supposed to look in your heart and your mind, and people disappoint you, people talk about you, you better thank God for those moments of disappointment. Because God is putting the timing just right in your life. I've looked back on my life. I've preached to thousands and thousands of people. Thousands of people. But God doesn't get excited about me preaching to thousands and thousands of people. He gets excited when I preach to three in Welch, West Virginia. I drove three and a half hours and it was three people. And God said, you give it like there's a thousand. I preached while I was sweaty. Matt sang. He will be. I got confidence in him. Welch, West Virginia. Three people. And now we, we're building. God loves this building and we love this building. But God, lo- when God, God doesn't see all of this. He smiles with it. But the character was proven when we were QFM on Adams Avenue that held 60 people. And we were faithful in a room, in a building that was falling apart. We moved to the hood, we call it, up on 18th Street. Right? Well, one day we walked out of the church, and the front door opened to the church, and everybody said, hey, what's going on? I said, I don't know, but there's about four couches across the street that's been set on fire. So while we're having church inside, there was four couches across the street. Somebody had drove by and started to burn four couches. So while the the fire trucks were all outside here, we were inside still doing our thing. Faithful, right? Didn't know where we were going to go. Building sales, got to have the building. So we have a staff meeting and they're all looking at me going, what are we going to do? And I give them this Joseph moment, incredible wisdom and discernment. The Lord was all over me. I could just feel the presence of the Lord all over me at that moment. It was just powerful. Me being the pastor, and they're looking for me for leadership. And they said, we've got to be out next week. What are we going to do? So I stood up like any pastor would, and I said, I have a word from the Lord. And they're all looking and leaning in, and I said, I have no idea. (laughs) That's a true story. And they all leaned down. I sat back down and I said, but the Lord's not going to let us down. He's going to be faithful. We ended up at East Hills and transformed East Hills, the old CVS, in a matter of 24 hours. We were there. It sold. We had that, that moment again. So where are we going to go? Because I have no idea. When are we go get in our new building? I don't know. I don't know. But in the scheme of things... We moved out, we started the church in first chapter 40, 42, or 40, 40, verse 23. And then we got in this building in chapter 41, verse 1. It just happened to be five years, right? You know what I'm saying? J- Joseph got forgotten, next verse, two years later. But Joseph had to live the two years. In God's eyes and God's timing, sometimes it feels like forever, but it really is just one verse. Yeah, but I got to live it. I'm getting older. I'm getting tired. I'm getting weary. I'm getting worn down. I'm getting, you know, people come, people go. I mean, my health, my, hey, it's one verse. One verse. But God, I risk, can you not just take the two years of pain and turmoil that I've had? Could you just not take that and at least spread it? God, you give me five chapters in the Bible, Joseph said. Couldn't you at least give me a, a, a couple of chapters just on the pain that I went through in two years sitting in prison getting mad at the butler? You know what I'm talking about? No, no. We're not going to glory in that. That was all necessary because if you didn't go through that, you wouldn't be able to rule and reign when I put you in number two position. Everything you've gone through in your life, disappointments, hurts, frustrations. And I know some of you, I think the same thing. I I, I think of sometimes I find myself going, why in the world, I wouldn't even do that again. I would have never got myself in that situation again. There is no way I would have done that. How did I do that? And I hear the Lord sometimes telling me, the steps of a good man are ordered by me. And I said, God, you mean you told me, you caused me to do bad? You cause me to do wrong. You cause me to do some situation, but you cause me to go through that. The Lord says, no, no, no. I lead your steps. I order your steps. You make your own choices. You make your own decisions. But I never get caught off guard. I never change the plan because you change the choices. I never change the plan. You will always come out on top. I'll box you in a corner where you don't even know what the corner looks like. I'll put you in a place you don't even know how to get out of, why? Because I'm not changing my plan. I'll make you change companies and positions. I'll cause you to lose customers and gain, cut. why? I'm not changing my plan. And I know my plans for you are good. I know my thoughts and intents are you for you are good. So you better get ready. Because while you're dwelling on the hard times, living the life of regrets and failures, and how did I get here, and all the unanswered questions. You leave those unanswered questions to God, and you just walk into place that he's called you to walk into. And as the story unfolds, and as your life begins to roll out even more, the details will become clear, and you'll be so thankful that you have that kind of experience in your bag. And you'll say, God, thank you, because now you know who he is, now you know who you are, and now you know where you're going. Would you stand with me? If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Right? You can't change your past, but you certainly can embrace your future. But bow your heads and close your eyes for me. Who needs prayer in here this morning? I'm talking about your, your life's heavy, You don't know if you made right decisions, wrong decisions. Guilt's just kind of eat you apart, and and, and it's it's affected your relationships with your family, your kids, and you're going, God, will it ever change, will it ever change? If if, no one's looking around, if that's you, would you even raise your hand? I see your hands, they're all over the place. That's a lot of people. I wanna pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I say guilt, go, condemnation be removed, and the lifting of the pressure of trying to get it all right leave their shoulders right this moment. Let them have a fresh perspective of life and outlook to see, God, your promises are true, they're yes and amen. You've never left them, you've never forsaken them, you won't leave them now. Even though it's not going the fast pace as they thought it would go and and as quick as they thought it would go, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that the, the enlightening of your Holy Spirit will show them exactly how and when and why and what you're even doing. Let them have an assurance of knowing you are who you say you are and the best days are still yet ahead of them. Let them be reminded of what Jesus went through carrying his own cross to the point he couldn't carry it anymore. And then he kind of guided him Simon of Cyrene to carry it the rest of the way because the cross got too heavy. But nevertheless, Jesus still went to Calvary. He still died on the cross. And the suffering that he went through does not compare to the joy that was set before him. So let everybody here under the sound of my voice be reminded and remember, Joseph went two years in a prison and it was only one verse. One verse for two years. God, we've endured a lot. I pray, God, those that are listening today and watching today that let the light of the power of your spirit illuminate their hope, their joy, and their future in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see y'all Wednesday night.